By 2018, I've just had a look, four players based in Argentina. Uh, those who were based in Europe include Caballero, Los Celso, Dybala, Aguero, Otamendi, Marcus Rojo, Mascherano, Di Maria, Messi, Higain, Acuna, Benega, Fazio, Bilia and Talia Fico. Um, so it it's, seems that European clubs use it as a trawler, but also... Barcelona got Lionel Messi at 13. All their rivals are going to be damned if they're going to miss out on the next Messi. Yeah, I think that's the thing. And, and you know, the, the money on offer at the moment, from I mean, the, the, for European clubs, if they go and offer 10, 15 million quid for a young player, it doesn't really matter to them if, if it doesn't work, does it? They can kind of just, um, they can write it off or they can just sell the player on for you know, eight million and, and, and just sort of offset their losses like that. It's not really a huge gamble for them. But whether it's a good move for the for the young player or the club that they're coming from is is probably a, a different story, isn't it? I think some of these young players will probably benefit from staying where they are for another year or two, but then I suppose, you know, if, if someone comes and flashes the cash at you and offers you the chance to go to Europe, you're probably not going to say no, are you? Because you'll get to play with or against some of these chaps. Now, with Maradona, because he single-handedly won the World Cup for Argentina, every few years we get a new Maradona. One of them uh, is on the cover of your book, and the other is the guy who scored the most goals for Boca Juniors. Both of them left, went to Europe, and came back. Who is the best player that Boca have ever had? Palermo or Riquelme? And you can justify your answer or non-answer in any way you want. Well, I think you know Palermo is the he's the all-time leading goal scorer. You know, I think by a lot of for a lot of people, he's you know more general fans. He's remembered for once missing three penalties. Yep. Um, he he had a, he had an underwhelming spell in Europe, but in terms of Boca, he's he's right up there with the the legends at the club. He he scored two hundred and thirty-six goals in four hundred and four games. And he won 13 major trophies in that game against Real Madrid in 2000 in Tokyo in the Intercontinental Cup. He scored both the goals against Ike Casillas. So you know he's he is a massive icon of, of Boca and and part of the, the, the you know the glory years um, under Carlos Bianchi as well and later on. But I think if you ask if you ask the hundred Boca fans, you know who the, the absolute ultimate idol is in the history of the club, it would be Riquelme. Maradona is synonymous with Boca Juniors, but he, he he was only there for I think he played seventy one games, um, competitive games in his two spells, and he won one league title. But he just doesn't have the the history in the Boca shirt, and he's he's probably more of a you know he's kind of a guy that transcends club rivalries, and he's more he's he's known more for what he did with Argentina and then and Napoli. Um, so you know, even though Maradona might be the the better player worldwide, Boca fans would go for Riquelme as their as their ultimate idol, um, and perhaps a lot of it is to do with the style of football he plays as well. You know, some people call him the last of the number tens. You know, he's got this, he's got this kind of languid, laid-back style, and you know, he just makes the makes the team tick when he's on song. He's, you know, it's just like a conductor with his orchestra. It's just brilliant to watch. And you know, to top it all off, now he's he's one of the vice presidents of the club, and he's shaping the future of the club for, for years to come, hopefully. And is he bringing players through? Uh, is he giving a directive to the manager, whoever it may be, play X number of young kids, 
keep the young kids here, make them the Riquelmes of the future rather than fattening them up and selling them on? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know how how involved he is like that in terms of um, in terms of sort of you know in, interfering with the management. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure he has an input. Don't get me wrong. You know, um, the coach at the moment is um, is Miguel Angel Russo, and he was he was the coach in 2007 when Raquel May won the Copa Libertadores with Boca, and some people would say that's Raquel May at his peak. So he's reunited with this guy, who he's obviously got a good relationship with. So I'm sure I'm sure that he's uh, you know offering his advice and, and having input, but you know how, how much he can influence influence team selection I'm not sure I'm, I'm sure you know I'm sure he's got a in terms of transfer policy and things like that he's he's heavily involved um, but I think people are just really excited that he can be you know that he can bring back another another glorious uh, era for the club yeah and that glorious era as you detail in Blue and Gold Passion which is out on pitch publishing uh, 1699 he was part of that glorious era because Boca won Two consecutive or three in four years? They won the Copa Libertadores three in four years and they um, they won in, in two of those three years when they won, they they won the Intercontinental Cup as well. So um, I mentioned they beat Real Madrid in 2000. They lost to Bayern Munich in 2001 uh, to an extra, extra time goal. And then in 2003, they beat Milan on penalties. So, you know, we're talking Milan and Real Madrid, two, two heavyweights of European football. And if you look at the team lineups as well, some of the some of the players that that Milan and Real Madrid put out that day, you know, they weren't taking it easy. They weren't sending the reserves out there to Tokyo. We're talking full strength teams with some of the biggest names of of, of the, the the time in world football and Figo and Maldini. Yeah, Figo Maldini Costa Curta, you know, uh, Pirlo, you know, Real Madrid had Figo and um, Figo Casillas, Roberto Carlos, you know, Hierro, you know, the, Ronaldo. Unbelievable when you look at the lineups and um, and you know Boca managed to do that. But you know we're talking about the, the strengthening of European football. There's just no way now that Boca could go and compete with a with a Real Madrid. You know it's it just wouldn't happen. I think um, the, the gap is just too wide now. Whereas there you had you had players like Riquelme and Palermo still playing the trade for for Boca and Tevez a bit later on. So yeah, it really was really was an era that you know you you wonder if it were that kind of success will ever come back in that in that fashion was there a particular tactic that helped Boca win back-to-back league titles and back-to-back uh, intercontinental cups was it just give it Raquel May yeah they had they had um, Bianchi Raquel May made his debut before Bianchi came in but it was really him who who gave him the confidence he, he built his team around him um, so to a certain extent it would be would be giving the ball but he, they, they built a solid base around him, and and then so it was. Sometimes they played like a four-three-one-two, so they'd have a back four, solid back four, two fullbacks that you know can can get forward, and then you'd have a midfield three, you know, quite an industrious midfield three. You know, it wouldn't be like um, like a Barcelona midfield where you you know under Guardiola where you'd have Busquets and then you'd have two more advanced players. It would be. Three kind of dogs bodies is the wrong the wrong yeah phrase, just but, just yeah like mercenaries yeah the guys who the guys will do all the ugly work and then and then ahead of that you'd have Raquel May and then ahead of Raquel May you'd have you'd have the two two strikers um, so so yeah effectively it was it was built to his strength and you know why wouldn't you do that because 
he was yeah in, in the South American context anyway he was absolutely unplayable and didn't work out for him at Barcelona the, the, the same as Maradona um, but when he went to Villarreal I think we saw we saw for a, a probably a two year period how much of a great player he was and he was great at the 2006 World Cup as well wasn't he you know it wasn't the longest kind of period in the sort of global limelight but you know he I, I think he he proved how good he is at that level. Yeah, absolutely. And um, from what I've read, Louis van Gaal didn't like him. He didn't like Louis van Gaal. I don't know why. I don't know what it is with van Gaal's alpha personality that rubs so many people up the wrong way. Do you detail <laughs> yeah. this in the book? I, I, no, no not, I didn't go into too much detail just because it wasn't, um, it wasn't sort of Bocca related. But, you know, I think with van Gaal, it's, he likes the structure, doesn't he? People talk about... You know, the players that play for him, I, I was listening to a, a podcast with Wayne Rooney recently and, and he was actually talking really positively about um, Van Gaal. But well, I, you would if you were the club captain. Some players like that structure where, and, and they know what they're doing, they know what they need to do and then they can do it. But, you know, someone like Raquel May is, is a bit more of a free spirit that he doesn't want to be told where to stand or, you know, what to do. He, he wants to just roam around, pick up the pockets of space and, and get on the ball and, and, and just make things happen without being told where to go and where you have to pass the ball when you get the ball. And, and I think that's probably why why they didn't get on. Huh. And, and also, Raquel May, you know, for all his brilliance, he, he, he is a bit of a prickly personality, you know. He, he does tend to fall out with people. So, again, it doesn't surprise me that he would fall out with someone who, you know, who... Van Gaal would start an argument in an empty room as well, wouldn't they? Yep, absolutely. And the room next door. Um, <laughs> yeah. Raquel May uh, rejoins Boca. Palermo's already rejoined. They win a sixth um, Copa Libertadores. Who did they beat in 2007? 2007, it was against Gremio. So um, that was that was also the biggest, I think still to this day, well, they don't do two legs anymore, but I'm pretty sure that, that no one's ever won a Copa Libertadores final with that margin. So it was... Five five nil over the two legs, Ooh. and um, there's one particular goal that Raquel May scores in the away leg, which is if you've not seen it or you can't picture it off the top of your head, just just Google it when we've finished, or if anyone's listening, just Google it. Scores a goal against Gremio, and it's in a final. It's one of the best goals I've ever seen. It's absolutely unbelievable. He picks up the ball on the corner of the 18 yard box and just manages to put it right in the far corner over the top of the goalkeeper's head, like. But it, the move before it, if you watch him, what he does in the move before it, he's kind of, you can just see him, he'll get the ball, he'll pass it off, he'll try and move into space and he's just constantly looking for that pocket of space where he can get the ball and, and kill the opposition and it's just a stunning goal and like I said before, many people said that that 2007 Raquel May was the best version of Raquel May, you know, just after he'd come back from um, Europe um, and then won the Copa Libertadores, that, that was like his peak then. So, um, yeah, that's that's what a lot of Boca fans would say. And did he get plaudits from Maradona at the time? It's not something I went into too too much great, great detail out in the book, but, you know, Maradona and, and Raquel may have, have always had a bit of a, a strange relationship, really. And then there was a time when, when Maradona was in charge of the national team and, and Raquel May wasn't wasn't involved so yeah and then even even to his death I don't think Maradona's death I don't think that I don't think the two were particularly close mm. when um, Mar- one of Maradona's last other games in, in March last year was um, as the manager of Gimnasia and they played at Boca and it was the day that Boca won the league so it was quite a 
almost like a fitting fitting occasion for Maradona to be the last time he was in, in La Bombonera for a game was when they won the league, you know, and then and then he passed away. So, But at the, at the time, there was actually talk that, because Maradona, I don't know if you remember seeing it, but he was doing like a, a birthday tour of Argentina and a lot of clubs were putting special shows on for him and, and one club even put like a throne on the halfway line. So instead of sitting in the dugout, he sat in a throne on the, on the halfway line. Um, quite quite an amusing sight, really. Um, and there was talk that Boca weren't going to do it because Raquel May is now on the board and they didn't get on, but they, they kind of listened to the fans and decided to go ahead and give him a fitting send-off. And I think knowing what's happened recently, I think that was a great decision, you know, to... You know, had they not done that and then he passed away, I think it would have left a bit of a sour taste in the mouth. So, um, but yeah, they, they had a, a bit of a strange relationship, as Raquel May did with Palermo as well. Oh, really? By the end of their time together, uh, they hated each other, absolutely hated each other. They they started off in the in the team together, and you know they won so much together. You know, even even when they hated each other, to be fair, they were a great partnership. You know, the amount of goals that Raquel May would put on a plate for Palermo. You know, he, you know Palermo scored two hundred and thirty six goals for Boca and. I wonder how many of them were assisted by Raquel May. You know, they, they were a great double act. But yeah, towards the end, they absolutely hated each other, couldn't stand each other. And when Palermo retired, he actually said that one of the reasons was he didn't want to share a dressing room anymore with Raquel May. So that's uh, quite <laughs> strong words. <laughs> Indeed. But like I said before, you know, Raquel May, you know, he's, he's not shy of starting an argument. And, you know, he, he's one of those people that will say what's on his mind. You know, he won't. He won't shy away from a from a fight. I'll have to read some English language uh, websites on Argentinian football. This is the place where I, I ask, where is the best place to get English language material about Boca? I mean, current contemporary news. Yeah, it's quite difficult, really. That there's there's not again, there's not a lot out there in English. Um, Tim Vickery will write the odd thing. Um, Tim Vickery is I, I love Tim Vickery. I actually interviewed him for the book. He writes obviously on South American football, so there'll be quite a bit about uh, Boca from him. Jonathan Wilson will obviously write in The Guardian about Boca quite a bit. But yeah, again, there's just not that much stuff out there, even now online, you know. I think, obviously, if you Google Boca, things will come up. But if, if, you want, if you're listening to this and you want to know more about Boca and, and the up-to-date events in English, um, there's Boca in English podcast and Twitter account. Um, I would definitely recommend following them if you don't already. I suspect most people that are interested in my book will already follow that account, but that's the best place to get the up-to-date news and, and you know transfers and things like that in English, definitely. Thank you so much. Uh, I think that's probably a good place to go. In order to find out about the Farago that inspired you to pitch this book to pitch. So, as far as I know, there was so much crowd trouble that the game had to be called off and then, or or not go ahead at all, and so the when it, the second leg eventually happened, it was in Spain. Yes, so it was a it was a bit of a disaster. It was a disaster to start with, really, because the first leg to be held at, um, at, at Boca's ground was actually rained off. Um, November in in Buenos Aires is typically the wettest month of the year. I'm pretty sure, and but the night before the game, they had something like a month's worth of rain in in one night. I remember seeing the pictures and the footage of, of rain just coming down the, the steps on the, in, in, at La Bombonera and, you know, cascading down onto, you know, to the next, from one tier to the other. And, you know, so that basically got rained off, that game. So that was like almost like a sign of things to come, you know. 
And then the game took place the next day. It was 2-2 it was draw. And then they were supposed to play again, but it didn't take place for something like six weeks, the, the game in Spain. In between then, they were supposed to play at uh, Rivers Ground. On the way into the stadium, Boca's bus was attacked um, by River fans throwing, throwing rocks and stuff. The police then were firing back at the River fans and they, uh, they fired tear gas. Some of the tear gas ended up on the Boca team bus. So loads of the players were struggling with having inhaled tear gas and some of the, a couple of them had to go to hospital with, with glass in the eye from yeah. the broken windows. Yeah. So it was a real mess. And then they were supposed to play the next day, but um, right up until kickoff or like an hour or so before kickoff, Boca were taking their complaint to the powers that be um, to have the game cancelled because in 2015, Boca played River and... Uh, in a Copa Libertadores game and a Boca fan as River were coming out of the tunnel a Boca fan sprayed pepper spray and the River players were like sick after inhaling this pepper spray and Boca were thrown out of the Copa Libertadores so Boca were saying well why aren't they getting thrown out you know there's a precedent here anyway so that's why this, that's why the, the second attempt to play the second leg was, was cancelled and, and you know yeah, who was there? Jonathan Wilson, he yeah. writes about this in The Blizzard. It's a, a phenomenal long read about he, yeah. how he was covering it and he was waiting really patiently for the match to start, but of course it couldn't start. So then came the Spanish... Was it not Tebas? Is it Tebas stepping in? So the, 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 the governing body of South American football kind of came out and said, we're not going to play this in South America. Oh, we're not going to play this in Argentina because they just decided it was too too much too much for everyone to handle um, there were fears that that would be the case and beforehand and, and those fears came true so they, they said right we're going to look for an alternative venue and loads of different cities across the, the world really put the through the hat in the ring you know in Miami was one Doha in the Middle Obviously. East was another one um, yeah you know they ended up going for for Spain um, a few different reasons they said that the time difference was quite similar it's three hours I think three or four hours. Um, you know, there's a lot of Argentinians in Spain, you know, decent connecting flights. Same language. Good, good, yeah, all those kind of things. But to me, I, I was a bit worried because, and you look at it now, that, that the Copa Libertadores final now has, has gone to a one-off game. The, the reason why they're doing that is because they want to kind of increase the branding and, and almost make it like a Champions League. And, you know, you see that it was on BBC Sport which is a new thing and they're really trying to make it more of a more of a global event like the Champions League and my fear was when they when they decided to go to to Spain for that game that they were kind of almost testing the waters you know dipping their toes in to see how it could work you know and uh, with, with a view to at one point some point in the future taking the final on a you know road show to whoever pays pays the most money so yeah, very very problematic and interesting period that was, um, and yeah, that, that's around about the time where I thought, okay, I'm going to write this book now about Boca Juniors. Yeah, and and of course, as the postscriptum to that, it finished three three after normal time in the second leg, and the presence of Carlos Tevez and Fernando Gago could not help Boca in extra time. They lost to River, and the 2019 Libertadores final I watched in. Uh, it was my friend Daniel's wedding and I took myself back to the hotel room uh, at this, um, not resort, but a wedding venue in Scotland. Um, and 
enjoyed the Libertadores final, which um, was it two uh, Brazilian two teams? Two one to Flamengo, oh, wasn't Flamengo. it? No, it was um, it was it was Flamengo against um, River. River Plate, and River Plate River Plate were winning one nil up until oh God, I don't know what minute it was, but they were winning one nil, um, and then they conceded two goals right at the kind of last minute by um, a guy called um, Gabriel Barbosa. Who yes. I'm not sure if he who he's playing for at the moment, um, but uh, he was he was in Italy at one point. He went back to Flamengo, where you know where he'd kind of well, no, actually, he wasn't at Flamengo. He come from another club, but yeah, he went to Inter Milan. He'd been at Benfica a little bit, um, and then he'd, he ended up there at Flamengo, and and it was unbelievable, wasn't it? Those last few minutes, I think I think both goals were in injury time. Very memorable, um, and that was the first one-off Copa Libertadores yeah. final as well. So uh, remind me who yeah. River beat. In uh, in the semi final, yes, that was um, that was Boca. I uh, I remember that game now um, quite clearly. They um, they won the first leg two nil at the uh, at El Monumental, and then second leg was at La Bombonera. Boca won one nil. Um, I think it was quite a late goal Boca got in that game. Yeah, um, and they were they, yeah they were they were pushing for that second goal, but it just never looked like coming. You know, it was and and. Compared to the previous year, you know, it was it was quite a, which I think was a good thing actually. It was quite a damp, uh, damp squib as a tie. You know, nothing, nothing really ever caught fire. And you know, the the coach as well for um, River at the time, um, Marcelo Gachado. He, you know, when it came to cup competitions and and him and Boca, he just seemed to have some sort of hex over Boca. You know, and uh, he was really good in cup, cup competitions and, and always seemed to get the better of uh, of Boca. So that was just another example. I can tell you that Gabriel Barbosa signed permanently for Flamengo uh, after being at Inter Milan. Yeah, he, you know, yeah, he didn't, he didn't really kind of um, another never really took off for him in in the Brazilian context. He's, he's, you know, he seems to be quite phenomenal, really. And it's only a good thing that BBC Sport carry the Libertadores final. Obviously, they've got Tim Vickery, the legendino, doing sterling work throughout the year on BBC Sport. And of course, the World Football Phone In. I don't know if you've ever rung into the World Football Phone In. I couldn't sleep on Monday night, so I put it. I thought, oh, it's Monday, isn't it? World Football Phone In, putting it on, and they talked for fifteen minutes about Brazilian shirt names, which is <laughs> yeah. I am. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of um, Tim Vickery. He's been, you know, Jonathan. We talked about Jonathan Wilson and, and Angels with Dirty Faces um, being like the bible for Argentinian football, but Tim Vickery is, you know, kind of. When it comes to sort of English English language coverage of South American football, I don't think there's anyone anyone better. He he just got like this encyclopedic knowledge of, of the game over there, and I love listening to him. You know, he's he, the world football phone. And I've, I've been a fan of that for years. I've never I've never called in. I listen to it on the podcast and um, the Brazilian shirt name podcast that they also do now. Him and him and Dotton. Um, that's absolutely brilliant as well. I was listening to an episode of that today. Daniel Williamson, what would be your Brazilian shirt name? Would it be Sailau? Because you're from Sail. <laughs> I don't know, you know. I've never actually thought of that. I'll have to, uh, I'll have to think of one uh, and let you know. You should have asked Tim when you had the chance to speak to him. Yeah, I should have really. Yeah. That was uh, a bit of a... Uh, it's all right. We yeah, had other things to talk about. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to pretend now that you're Tim Vickery and I'm the gent. I don't even know if the gent is still alive. Uh, that will mean yeah, nothing. I think, to... I, I think I, I, yeah, I'm sure he sure I'm sure he phoned in the other week. Yeah, um, bring on the gent. 
Um, they then, do have like a, a revolving door of um, sort of semi regulars, don't they? Which is yeah, it's like Arsenal yeah. fan TV without the bile. Um, yeah, exactly. With, with a, bit, a bit more intellect, a lot more intellect. Um, so pretend you're Tim Vickery. Independiente haven't won Libertadores since 1984. Boca and River are both on six. Uh, Sao Paulo are on three, by the way. Um, who is most likely to reach seven uh, Libertadores first? Boca or River? Um, well, I think it's, it's kind of almost potluck, isn't it? I think, they're both, I think they're both going to always be at the, at the business end of the... The tournament, and you know, talking of Tim Vickery, this is something that that I heard him say recently was that you know you look at the Copa Libertadores now, and it's it's almost becoming a bit like the Champions League in the sense that you know it's becoming more and more Brazilian and Argentine club heavy. You know, the latter stages, and you know, Boca and River, it's the two Argentinian clubs that have, seem to be there, there or thereabouts, and you know, the same with like the likes of Santos, Palmeiras, you know, the other the other big Brazilian clubs. You can kind of pick three of the four semi-finalists every year. You know, like I say, it's kind of almost like the Champions League, where Barca, Real Madrid, and one of the English clubs, and you know, maybe Bayern will be in the semis. You know, it's kind of getting like that. So, so I wouldn't really like to say which one of the two will be next. You know, I suppose it, it depends what happens at, at River as well with with their coach um, Marcelo Gachado. You know, he's he's been brilliant in terms of winning cups with them. So. You know, if he sticks around, then they've got a good chance, and and we'll see what we'll see what happens at next with Boca. You know, they've just signed like we talked about before. They've just signed Marcus Rocco. See who else they bring in, and and you know, but yeah, one of them will be there or thereabouts next time round. Just looking at the squad for River Plate, I don't recognise uh, Zuccolini. I think was at Udinese for a while. Robert Rojas, I think I recognise that name, um, but River Lucas Prato, but River do not have Carlito. I think Carlos Tevez would love to finish his career helping Boca to a seventh um, Libertadores. How important is Tevez? Is he first among equals in this Boca team? I think in this Boca team, like, you know, he he is the sort of the reference point. You know, he's, he's the captain. He's the, he's the best player. But I think, you know, that's becoming a little bit of an issue now in, in the fact that he is, he's, you know, he's no spring chicken, is he? And you could see in the you know that game against Santos the other week, the three 0 that that he was looking a bit kind of almost looking around as if to say you know can someone can someone else do something you know so I think he's kind of standing out a bit like a sore thumb now as 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 the best player whereas in his younger days he was just one of many you know and now he's kind of he's the main man and Boca could do with one or two other players around him that maybe a bit younger and and with a bit more quality just to just to take them to that next level. And how does the season work? Do they still have the Apertura and Clausura, or is it just one league and a playoff? Oh, it's 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 the, the structure of Argentinian football is is an absolute shambles, and I think that's one of my frustrations as as a sort of fan of Argentinian football, and and I, I think that's probably a reason why one of the reasons why that the, the league is not as, as well covered or as watched as as you know other leagues may be because the structure changes every year Cause, so basically what they had this year was just a league where everyone played each other once and they had 20 was it 24 teams and then because because there was only 24 games then in the league and you know like a Premier League season for example will have 
38, they're missing sort of 14, 15 fixtures. So then they created this Copper Maradona and then they had like an end of season cup where they have, you know, group stages and, you know, and then it ended up with Boca winning, which is great, but it's just a ridiculous format. So I'm not actually 100% sure what the format will be next season. Oh, I think right. it's well, going to be. I can tell you that they've divided it the Primera into two groups of 13, separating River and Boca. Yeah, that's it. They all play each other, they all play each other, but then they play like an inter-group game against their biggest rival. So Boca will, will play River, even though they're not in the same group. This is ludicrous. Um, oh, it's, it's ridiculous. And they, yeah, honestly, like when, I was, when I was doing the, the history of Boca and looking at kind of every season, all the different formats they have, you know, it's just, it makes no sense. And, and do you know about the relegation system as well that they have over there? Who got relegated? Like, River got relegated one year. River got relegated in 2011, but they have a system which is basically, it's based on averages over three years. Yep. So, this came in in 1983, it was, because San Lorenzo almost got relegated or something like that. So, they created this system where you would take your average over three years to hoping that the big clubs would maybe have one bad season but then they'd, they'd, they'd turn it around and then they'd avoid on the on the average you know if they had two good seasons but it's just ridiculous and anyway so it turns out that um, River in 2011 they won the league in 2008 and then they had two really bad seasons um, and then I think the season they went down they finished ninth or something like that but because they'd had you know because their average was low um, they ended up yeah they ended up finishing um, they finished second bottom and then they had a playoff against the team from the second division yep. and yeah I remember that it's a, it's a ridiculous system but a, a lot of the a lot of the stuff about Argentine football is, is ridiculous and uh, some of it's probably why, why we love it and you know because it's, it's quirky quirky is one word uh, we, we are talking <laughs> we're talking on the eve of the start of the season Boca's first game is at home on Valentine's Day against Gimnasia La Plata, uh, and then they are away to Newell's Old Boys next Sunday, as we speak. And obviously, Gimnasia were um, Maradona's team, so uh, Ah, I don't know what his... Yeah, I don't know what his his plans were, but, you know, it it could have been that, you know, he would have been still managing, managing them this season. I know there was talk that he was going to leave, but then I think he ended up saying he was staying... And then obviously he died, so um, that w- that would have been a nice occasion where he's still here. But um, yeah, again, you know, Boca will be will be right up there with the favourites to to win the league again this year, just because they are most years, you know, as, as River will be. But uh, you know, we'll see what happens. And hopefully, there'll be an addendum to any new edition of Blue and Gold Passion, which is the book by. Daniel Williamson, A History of Boca Juniors, 16.99 on pitch, cheaper elsewhere. It's easy to see. It's got Maradona, Palermo, Tevez and Riquelme on the cover. I hope you enjoy this Argentinian football season and uh, maybe FC United will do something good this year. They've seemed, they seem to be treading water for green and golds at the moment. Well, obviously football's cancelled at that level. So, having just looked at the fixtures, Boca against River at La Bombonera is on March 14th, unless otherwise stated. So, this show will go out in the middle of March. How do you watch Boca's games? How does one watch Boca's games? There's, there's an app called Fanatiz, so F-A-N-H-T-I-Z, 
and um, you can they, they charge they charge something like seven ninety nine a month, and you can watch all all of Argentine football. They they do other countries as well, like Chile, and um, I'm not sure what other countries they do, but it's it's the best place to get South American football, um, and it's really good service. You know, the price is decent. And the quality is good as well. So, um, yeah, again, if anyone's listening um, and they, they're not aware of that and they want to watch a bit more South American football, then check, the, check them out. Um, that's the best place. And, of course, even if you're not looking at it, you get the commentators going, go, 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 go. You must have that imprinted yeah, they, on your mind, having watched all this comment- poker football. The commentators are uh, another great thing about South American football, definitely. They've got, they've got you know, 100 times more passion than some of the guys we have commentating anyway. I don't know. I, I think Martin Tyler's perfectly passionate. Wouldn't you if every decision was susceptible to video replays? Oh, it's a goal. <laughs> yeah, or is it a goal? <laughs> Who cares anymore? The game's ruined. Let's watch South American football instead. I, I wonder what the Spanish for and it's live is. I know it in German and in French. Yeah, um, I don't know if there's... Um, there's, there's probably, there will be a South American commentator out there with his own kind of... Um, you know, with his own kind of catchphrase, definitely. Well, I'll um, do some research. Got, I think I'll do some got, research before it gets out. Yeah, there'll, there'll definitely be a few characters out there. Fanatis is where you're going yeah, to watch it. Fanatis. They um, do have some games as well. Um, they do have some games on, sometimes on live score. They, they have live games. Um, so that's another place as well to always keep an eye on, li- on live score. I think they have like Serie A, don't they, and Portuguese football and... And yeah, sometimes they have Argentinian games as well. Now, I, yeah, I wish they, I were some... more into global football. I'm increasingly drawn towards it through books like yours. But yes, gracias por todos, uh, para todos, and uh, jala boca. What do you say? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Vamos, boca, you probably would say. Vamos. Yeah.